Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We get it going on the middle of the week, Wednesday. I don't know why they were referred to Wednesday as the hump day of the week, but I guess it's getting over the hump. Anyway, I'm watching the All-Star Game last night. Now, I've got mixed feelings about the All-Star Game. Let me back up. When I was a little boy growing up in Brooklyn, baseball was my life. I ate, slept, and breathed in baseball every day. I loved the game. Of course, I grew up in Brooklyn where the Dodgers were king. And yeah, a lot of you don't even realize that the Dodgers once lived in Brooklyn, not in Los Angeles. So last night, coincidentally, the All-Star Game was in Los Angeles. And it's been over 20 years since they had the All-Star Game there, which seemed odd. Having said that, before the game was even played, a justified and appropriate tribute to Jackie Robinson. The man who broke the color barrier in 1947 in Brooklyn, thanks to a very uh, astute owner in Branch Rickey, who saw through the nonsense that, yes, there was room in Major League Baseball for black players. Jackie Robinson was playing in the Negro Leagues. Was he the best player in the leagues? Probably not. Was he one of the, what, is he one of the best? Yes. But he had a quality that made him stand out. He's a very smart guy. Uh, went to college at UCLA, played football there, ran track, and played baseball. And Ricky saw in Robinson a guy that was going to face many challenges. Obviously, uh, the prejudicial side of the American society uh, stood in the way of black players playing in Major League Baseball. But Ricky saw and I credit him for having great foresight, Ricky saw that Jackie Robinson uh, would be the guy that could stand up to the prejudice, could stand up to the heckling and the catcalls and the booing and all the rest that went along with it. And he faced many challenges. A lot of nasty things happened to him, uh, a lot of hate mail, uh, a lot of booing when he, uh, when he played first in Montreal, a farm club of the Dodgers. But then when he broke into the big leagues, man, did he explode. And to kind of put it in perspective, how would I use Robinson in today's baseball player? He was a combination of, oh, I don't know, a variety of players. Uh, he could hit for power. He could hit for average. He fielded his position. Initially, they brought him up as a first baseman and then moved him over to second base. Uh, he won number 42. And by now you realize that there's always the Jackie Robinson day where everybody in baseball wears number 42. I won number 42 because Jackie Robinson was my boyhood hero. I thought he was the best. I loved the way he played 
with the passion and the fire that he played. And Denzel Washington delivered a, a tribute to Robinson last night before the All-Star game. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Denzel Washington. I think he is as good an actor as we've had in our lifetime. He paid tribute to Robinson. And coincidentally, it's Robinson's widow, Rachel Robinson's 100th birthday. From the time that Robinson met her to the time uh, that he married her, uh, lived through all of the difficulties, um, and she survived him when he passed away. Uh, he had issues with diabetes. He had issues with his heart. And he died way too young. And he also didn't play baseball for a very long time. I want to say he played for eight or nine years in the major leagues. When you consider that today's players play 12, 13, 14 years, he was really robbed because he didn't come up until he was like 26 years old. And the Dodgers, now Ricky wasn't involved then, but at the end of his career, he was actually traded to the Giants, the Dodgers' most hated rival. Keep in mind, they were both playing in New York. And he say he retired rather than playing for the Giants. That shows loyalty. That shows dedication to a team. Something that I think is missing in today's athletes, specifically James Harden in Philadelphia. Talked his way out of leaving Houston. Talked his way out of leaving Brooklyn. And now he's in Philadelphia. Came into camp in rotten shape. That's not dedication to your sport, and certainly not to your team. And then Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a wonderfully talented basketball player. I say top 10 player in the NBA. Probably the best point guard in the NBA. You can't guard him. He's that difficult to guard. But as great as he is, he comes with baggage. And you all know what I'm talking about. He is a guy who has refused to take the vaccination for COVID. And so initially, he wasn't allowed to play any home games or play in Canada or play at Madison Square Garden in New York. So then finally, the mayor of New York changed the rules a little bit and Kyrie was able to play. So here's a guy that bought his way into the option of his contract to the tune of, I want to say, $40 million, whatever the number is. He's got one year left on his deal. And everybody's been talking about, well, is he going to get traded? And if so, where? Is Kevin Durant going to get traded? And if so, where? If Donovan Mitchell from Utah, is he going to get traded? And if so, where? Well, let me take one thing at a time. The Nets are up against it when it comes to Irving. They're not going to give him a four-year contract which he's eligible to get a max extension. They're not going to invest all that money in him based on, on what's happened. Keep it in mind. He walks into the building on a night of a game. What makes you so sure that he's going to walk into that locker room? Based on history, you got a case of being pessimistic. Now, Kevin Durant is much different. Kevin Durant's got four years left on his deal. He has to be traded. Why? It still has not been made clear. Is it because of Kyrie Irving? I don't know. Why would he want to leave Brooklyn unless he feels that if he stays and Irving stays, they won't contend for a championship? I would probably say that's true. 
But that doesn't mean I don't think they're a playoff team. With Durant and Irving, I believe they are. They'll get Joe Harris back after missing much of the season. Yeah, they lost Andre Drummond to free agency. Having said all of that, I think they're still a playoff team. An elite team in the East? Not necessarily. You got Milwaukee, you got Boston, you got Miami, you got Toronto, you got Philadelphia. Meanwhile, across the river is the New York Knicks. I'm going to save that thought and come back to my original conversation about the All-Star game last night. Congratulations to John Carlos Stanton of the Yankees for winning the MVP. He had a home run, a monster home run over 440 feet. I think it's, um, it's great for him because he's been in the shadow of Aaron Judge for quite a while. But look, the guy's still an all-star player. No question about it. In watching the game last night, the DH is now in both leagues. Finally. Why, in 1973, when they decided to give the American League a DH, no National League DH, that made me scratch my head. Like, why two sets of rules for the same baseball, for Major League Baseball? Didn't make any sense. And then, and, I, and I'll, I'll share with you a story. In the late 90s, I was broadcasting Milwaukee Bucks basketball. And on the night of a game at home, I get a call from WTMJ where the games were all broadcast on that the guy who was doing a talk show wanted to have me on to preview the game. I said, sure. So I go on and somehow or another it led to baseball. And I said, I think that Jackie Robinson is rolling over in his grave. And the, and the host said, why is that? Well, I said, well, I don't think that baseball has got its head on straight. We have an all-star game, and Bud Selig, the commissioner of Major League Baseball at the time, instituted a rule that the winner of the all-star game, the league that wins the all-star game, will have home field advantage in the World Series. I went crazy. I said, how can you possibly put that much on winning an all-star game? It's not a game where the managers are managing to win. The managers are there to make sure everybody on their roster gets in the game. So fortunate, if you're fortunate, a player is going to play three innings. Pitchers usually don't go more than an inning. Everybody gets a taste. So you're not playing the game to win. This is an exhibition game for the fans doesn't count in the standings. And to place the meaning of winning an All-Star game on your crown jewel event, the World Series, is preposterous. And I said this on the air. <clears throat> I get a note passed in front of me by the producer who says, Bud Selig is driving around Milwaukee and he's angry and he wants to come on and talk to me. I said, fine, bring him on. He comes on the air, he goes, uh, Mr. David, this is uh, Bud Sealing. And I said, Mr. Sealing, he says, I have to take exception to what you've been saying about baseball. I said, okay, what did I say that you can argue? Well, you criticized the all-star game and, and placing a value on it. And I said, I agree with that. That's why I did it. Mr. Sealing, how can you 
as the commissioner of Major League Baseball place that much value on an exhibition game, and that's all it is. It is arguably the best all-star game of all major sports. Then again, the Pro Bowl in the NFL is kind of silly. The NBA all-star game is more show than, than substance. But baseball, baseball all-star game, I'll say, is probably the best. And so you can't place an exhibition game's outcome and give it to the league that gets home field advantage in the World Series, which could dictate whether or not a team wins the World Series. Let's face it, you get a home game in game one, game two, maybe you get out to a 2-0 lead. So how can you place that much value on winning an All-Star game? It's utterly ridiculous. And then he attacked me some more and all of this, and we ended the conversation. That was the end of that. I go home that night, and I get a phone call from Herb Cole, the U.S. Senator from Wisconsin, who was the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. He asked me if I would have lunch with he and Bud Selig the next day. I said, sure. I was fully aware of the fact that Selig and Cole grew up together and went to school together. So Bud Seeley probably called his friend Herb Cole complaining about me. And Cole called me. He says, I did not hear it. Tell me what happened. And I told him. He goes, okay, let's, let's try to iron this out tomorrow over lunch. I said, fine. I'm telling you the next day came at the Great Fister Hotel in Milwaukee, which has, by the way, some of the, the greatest omelets that I've ever had. And I sit down. Cole sits down, Selig sits down, and he starts attacking me again. I went, hold it. Let's take a time out here. I came here to have an omelet at this great hotel who makes great omelets. Let me put my order in, and then we can discuss. He wouldn't relent. The fact of the matter is, neither would I. I said, Mr. Selig, be honest with me. You are paid by Major League's owners. You're there to satisfy their needs. I don't know who came up with this brilliant idea of the guy, the team that wins the All-Star, the league that wins the All-Star game gets home field advantage in the World Series. But I think it's utterly ridiculous. As much as I thought it was utterly ridiculous that one major league could have two sets of rules, DH in one, no DH in the other. Which do I prefer? I'm old school. I prefer no DH. I know the reason for the DH. It puts more offense in the game. I understand that. Because pitchers are not good hitters generally. With Otani from the Angels being the exception. But, I don't know. I, if you're going to keep monkeying with the, with, the, with the great old pastime of Major League Baseball. Now I hear another one. This is a beauty. Rob Manfred, the current commissioner of Major League Baseball, now indicates that next year, Major League Baseball uniforms will allow advertising. I understand the reason for it. It's about adding more revenue to everybody's pocket. I get that. But what do you want? Players to walk around like walking billboards? 
We can grapple with that all day long. To me, that's nickels and dimes. And for all of everybody that shudders every time the word gambling is mentioned in conjunction with sports, be understanding of the fact that there are betting parlors within a block of Major League Baseball stadiums in a number of cities. And pretty soon, there's going to be a a Las Vegas baseball team, like there is a Las Vegas NFL team. All I'm saying is that maybe being old school, I need to relent a little bit. But I'm not going to change my opinion about the All-Star game and its meaning. It has no meaning. It's an exhibition game, period. End of story. I'm not going to change my opinion about advertising on uniforms. Come on, you're cheapening the product, in my opinion. NBA still has, I want to say, about 100 days to go before teams go to training camp. But the the newspapers are loaded with NBA information, obviously when it comes to free agency. Kevin Durant said he wanted to be traded from the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets went out and opened the door. Said, okay, give me your best deal. The Nets are not going to give away Kevin Durant. Top three player in the NBA at bare minimum. You need to get a boatload in return. They're not going to give him away just because he wants to play someplace else. And the indication was he wanted to play for either Phoenix or Miami. Phoenix is ostensibly out. They match the offer sheet that DeAndre Ayton got from Indiana. And so he's a member of the Phoenix Suns and he can't be traded until January. So that takes Phoenix out of the, out of the mix. Miami, different story. Miami is run by Pat Riley. Say what you will about Riley. He is nobody's fool. Pretty smart guy. Very smart guy. If Pat Riley wants to make a deal to bring Kevin Durant to Miami, he'll give you his best pitch. Mark it down. He got LeBron James to come to Miami and join Dwayne Wade, and they won a title. What would it take what would Miami be willing to give up to get Kevin Durant? Bam Adebayo? Maybe. Tyler Hero? Maybe. Both? Maybe. I'd do the deal if I was Miami. And I'm not disparaging Adebayo or Hero. They're both fine players. But as long as you keep Jimmy Butler, you're fine. Now you got Kyrie Irving to deal with. Kyrie Irving... I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't think Durant's going anywhere either at the end of the day. Because when the smoke clears, I think he's still going to be a Brooklyn Net. I do. I really believe that. Because I don't think they'd be able to make a deal that's going to satisfy Brooklyn. And Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, is not afraid to write checks. But having said all that, I think Durant stays. I think Irving stays. Problem the Nets will have is that he's only got a one-year deal, which means he's going to be free next year, unrestricted. He can go anywhere, and the Nets get nothing. If it's me, I don't care what I got to do. I sign and trade Kyrie Irving. Number one, because it's the right business move. Number two, because he is a flat-out headache. 
I don't like guys that play sports for me. I don't mean me personally, but you know what I mean. I don't like guys that have a one-way look at life. I'll do what I want to do for me. You're playing in a team game. Understand that. Irving, is they're not going to offer him a four-year deal. They're just not. They'll offer him a two-year deal at decent money, and Irving is probably going to say no. So he'll have to play in Brooklyn this year. And maybe he gets traded before the trade deadline. Possible. But either way, Brooklyn is not... I mean, last year at this time, we were talking about Brooklyn as being a contender for a championship. That's no longer the case. I think the way things are going right now in the NBA, you've got Golden State very easily could could uh, defend their title. You got Phoenix that's still going to be relevant. You got Milwaukee. Liatis Antetokounmpo is the leader. And had they had Keith Middleton last year, they might have won a title again. Didn't happen, unfortunately, for them. Then you got the Boston Celtics. And you look at the Boston Celtics... And you say to yourself, how close did they really come to win a championship last year? The answer is very close. Now they've added Malcolm Brogdon. Is he a superstar player? Not really. Is he very good? Yes. Does he add to what Boston already has? Yes, he does. And in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, you've got the nucleus of a bunch of good players. And let's not forget Robert Williams the center, rebounder, shot blocker, defender that they have in the painted area. So I look at Brooklyn as being for real. I look at Boston as being for real. I look at Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Toronto, and Miami as being for real. But could you imagine if Pat Riley is able to pull a rabbit out of his hat and find a way to get Kevin Durant? Then all bets are off. Now you say, well, what are they going to have to give up? The answer is a lot. I recognize that. There's a challenge in out of the PGA Tour. It's called the LVI. Where a number of big name players like Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, have elated, uh, elected to leave the PGA Tour and join the new league that pays ridiculous amounts of money. Oh, Phil Mickelson. They've got a tournament coming up next week in Bedminster, New Jersey, in a country club that's owned by former President Donald Trump. Now, keep this in mind. The PGA Tour basically cut Trump out. So yesterday he delivers another one of his sermons with no foundation that the PGA Tour is disloyal. Ah, spoken from a guy who doesn't know what the word loyal means or loyalty means. Trump is loyal to himself. He is loyal to his own bank account. And I don't want to get into a whole political discussion, just strictly about his involvement in golf. I think the LVI tour, or LIV tour, I should say, is, I don't have any problem with it, but what 
American network is going to put them on television without ticking off the PGA Tour. CBS? Don't think so. NBC? ABC? ESPN? I don't think so. Without television, what have you got? Just a bunch of guys playing golf. Television is mandatory. I don't want to see the PGA Tour. And, and so, so, so these players are making millions of dollars, more than they make on the PGA Tour. Okay, nobody's holding any benefits of the PGA golfers. They're still making an awful lot of money, even if you don't win. In a bad year, you're making a million dollars. What, somebody has a problem, a hard time paying their bills for a million dollars? Come on. Competition's wonderful, and I don't have any problem with it. But I think the LIV group is looking at a closed door, and that is to network television, which to me is extremely important. The All-Star game was last night. Okay. What happens now for the rest of the end of the rest of Major League Baseball season? The Yankees have the best record in baseball. After 92 games, they've won almost 70% of their games. Houston and the Yankees, the two best teams in the American League. The Mets and the Dodgers, the two best teams in the National League. If all four of those teams don't make the league championship series, then there's got to be injuries involved uh, or some team got extraordinarily hot. And I don't want to go down the list of other teams that may have a shot. But I'm saying that the Yankees got everything. Here's the one thing they don't have. Aaron Judge signed for next year. How much does that play into their thinking between now and October? Probably not much. But they have the best team. They have a great pitching staff. They have good relievers. They've got power. And they got players that hit for average. In Queens, you got the New York Mets. Having a terrific year when you factor in they haven't had Jacob deGrom and, for the most part, Max Scherzer. Scherzer's back. deGrom is coming back within a week. They've already got a pretty good baseball club. You got Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, and a whole bunch of guys that know how to play the game. Before I forget, I'm watching a report from one of the local New York channels on um, McNeil, who made his first All-Star team. And he interviews him, and he and his wife just had their first child. And he asked him, which is more exciting for you, making your first All-Star team or having your first child? And I went, what? What? Why would you come up with a question like that? I'm surprised McNeil didn't turn around and say, obviously, it's having a child. But let that go. The Dodgers, meanwhile, man, worst thing that ever happened to the Boston Red Sox was they lost Mookie Betts. Because Betts and Bellinger and Kershaw, who pitched last night, and the rest of that Dodger group, they got to be for real. I would love to see the Mets and the Dodgers in the NLCS. 
I would love to see the Yankees and Houston in the ALCS and may happen what happens. I would still like the Yankees to come out of the American League and probably the Dodgers coming out of the National League. I'm old enough to remember when the Yankees and the Dodgers, when they were both living in New York, played in the World Series in 1949 against each other. 1952, 1953, 72 
Uh, you're probably right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a little fatigued at the Durant-Irving stuff. I mean, it seems like we get bombarded with that every day. Uh, I'm tired of it. I think everybody else is kind of tired of it. And if they do end up where they are, fine. If they go somewhere, fine. At this point, I think everybody's just ready to say, do something. You know, there's an old expression in New England where I grew up saying to do something or get off the pot, you know? So let's go. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, look, I'm surprised at Durant because he seems like a stand-up guy. He's got a four-year contract that he signed uh, last year. He's got four more years to go. Uh, what would it take to get him? I think Phoenix is out of the mix now because they matched the offer sheet for uh, for De Devontae Aiden. Um, having said that, DeAndre Aiden. Having said that, I'm not putting Miami out of the mix. I really am because I think Pat Riley is the kind of a guy that he sets his mind to something. He'll make it happen. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's uh, you know he's pretty shrewd when it comes to things like that. And uh, you know if he does want something, he'll he'll end up getting it. He probably will try uh, his best not to give up something that they may want in return. Uh, and he'll probably come out at the end, get what he wants without having to give up what he thinks he has to give up. So, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, I just think everybody uh, in the entire East right now is, is, is pretty darn good. And I think some have gotten better, uh, including, I think, the Hawks for sure. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, once the season starts. How did they get DeJounte Murray? Because this is a really good player. Teaming with Trey Young in the backcourt, uh, I mean, that's as good a backcourt you're going to find on, around the league. Well, I think it's a it's an excellent backcourt for sure. Uh, he compliments Trey really uh, fantastically. It's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good offensive player. He's a great defensive player. Uh, I think it gives the Hawks a... Uh, you know, a one-two punch in that backcourt where if one's taking a rest, the other one's be out there on the floor uh, and vice versa. And, and a lot of times the two of them will be out there together. But how the Hawks got him, uh, you know, I think we can thank, you know, the San Antonio and Popovich probably for wanting to get into that sweepstakes for the big guy next year in the draft and hope for number one in the lottery. And, you know, they're going to play a bunch of 19-year-olds apparently this season. So, uh, you know, the Hawks have benefited from that. They gave up Danilo Gallinari and a couple of draft picks, but, you know, I don't think the draft picks mean that much to us anymore with the Hawks. Uh, you know, we're in a kind of a win-now situation, and, and draft picks don't mean that much anymore. Well, if you look at a team like the Knicks, I want to say they've got seven draft choices between now over the next four years. So they've got a lot of capital that they can use in trade. Now, Donovan Mitchell... Look, let me start with Jalen Brunson. They go out and they get Jalen Brunson as a free agent and paid him superstar money when he's a fine player, but he's not a superstar and he's not an all-star, at least not yet. Uh, that could change, and it shows you how desperate the Knicks were to get a point guard. Yeah, and I, and I think the Knicks maybe have learned the lesson about those draft picks. You know, if you if you stockpile draft picks, what good are they if they don't pan out, number one, or you can't get anybody else to go with them? Uh, you know, you could perpetually, uh, you know, develop players year after year and uh what was it fran Frischella, i think had the famous uh saying that you know they're going to be two years away from being two years away forever <laughs> that's a good line i gotta steal that yeah. sometime uh, <laughs> i uh, i i look at boston i mean go to the finals last year now they pick up malcolm brogdon to fortify their team make their bench a little deeper 
Where would you, is Boston the team to beat in the East, or is it Milwaukee, or is it a combination of two or three teams? Well, I think there's two or three that, that can be right there. And, and, you know, the Celtics ended up with Gallo, who we had here for a couple of years. I really love him coming off the bench for them. Uh, but the thing about it is, you know, everybody uh, that, that I know in Boston, and I'm sure you do too after working there, uh, they just automatically think now, hey, we've got a young team. Uh, you know, we'll be back in the finals again next year. But it's not that easy. I mean, to make it to the finals, you have to win three playoff rounds, which is almost uh, impossible in the NBA the way that, you know the way it is these days with the talent level. And you never know a sprained ankle here or a hurt foot there. Anything can happen. Uh, and to to think that you're just automatically going to make it back in doesn't work that way. And I think one of the great examples of that is probably in football with you know Dan Marino. He made a Super Bowl, and everybody says, well, he's young enough, he'll make a lot more, and he'll win some. And look, he never got back again. Right. No, you're right. He's Steve Holman, the voice of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I think the Hawks are very much in the conversation. Uh, would I put them in the top four in the East? Maybe not, but they're relevant. And I think I would certainly put them in the top six, which means they don't have to go to the play-in tournament, uh, which, look, and I mentioned the Knicks at best – the Knicks right now, before they make any kind of other further moves, may be a playing team, but not much better than that. Yeah, I, I think you, you, you know, you're probably right. I think the Hawks as a whole, though, have learned, they learned a lesson right from top to bottom, I think, last season. And it's kind of the old cliche, but I think everybody real, realized that uh, when the season ended, that the games in October and November are just as important as the games in March and April. And I really think they have taken that to heart. Uh, you know, our key players, uh, you know, you heard about John Collins maybe being traded all summer long and it hasn't happened. And I don't think it will happen. Uh, you know, you add him back in, he's a 20 and 10 guy staying healthy uh, and, and Murray coming in. And then, you know, you add the two holidays, Justin and Aaron that are, that are coming in uh, as, as veteran defensive presence. And that is Nate McMillan's calling card, you know, certainly is the defense. And he's uh, trying to bolster that defense, and I think he has with these veteran guys. And and I think to have veterans in the locker room that are going to help out like that, it's very very important. And and I you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get off to a quick start because everybody's been healthy so far this summer. Uh, they haven't had to go through all that uh, stuff with procedures and everything that happened last year, and the long season that ended July third and going in. So I really think that you know the Hawks have a, have a great chance here, and I and I do think. You know, maybe they maybe that year that they made the Eastern Finals was a year too soon, and maybe the maturity level has gone up a, another notch after last season learning that lesson. So, uh, you know, I really I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I'm always optimistic, but I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about this team going in. Yeah, the he's Steve Holman, the voice of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you mentioned John Collins, wonderful player. Uh, he's still only 24 years of age. He's got a lot more to do. It would take a lot to get him away from the Hawks, huh? Yeah, I think so, and I, and I think a lot of people were kind of, you know, because Woj said it and Cham said it that it, you know that he was on the block and it would happen. You know, just because they say it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Because I think those guys, uh, and not only with the Hawks, but every team that they deal with, I mean, you know, they're getting most of their information I think from agents, and you know, agents they're always looking for the best deal for their guys. So, uh, you know, sometimes those kind of that information that those guys get uh, to report is good. Sometimes it turns out to be agents using them a little bit, and I think maybe they might have been used on this thing with with a little bit uh, from his agent. 
Uh, we talked about the East last year was deeper and stronger than it had been previously. I think it's probably taken another step. When you look out West, the only question that people have right now is what's going to happen with the Lakers? Nobody seems to have an, an, an idea. Uh, and, and the biggest problem they have is they got one big pot in the middle of the room and six chefs. Nobody, there's not there's not one guy that makes or one person that makes the decision. Yeah, well, I, I think Dar- Darvin Ham coming in, and I, you know, I, I love Darvin. He played with us here in, in Atlanta, and he was an assistant coach here with with Mike Budenholzer on, on that staff, and then he went to Milwaukee. So he's he's earned his uh, time, and he paid his dues certainly. And I think he's going to be a very good influence to that team because they will respect him as a former player. Uh, they brought in Chris Gent off of our staff, who, uh, you know, has been around the league for a long time. But I think one of the things maybe people have overlooked on that is that he was in uh, in Cleveland when LeBron first came in. And he and LeBron are very tight. And I think he really trusts Chris Gent. So I think that Chris being there with Darvin Ham, uh, I think is going to be an important thing for the Lakers. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they you know, live up to some of the expectations that we all expected last year. Yeah, one thing you can take to the bank, Steve, LeBron James is not playing to be relevant. I mean, it really, he, he really felt the pain of missing the playoffs last year. He's got one goal and one goal in mind, to win championships. But they're not, I would not put them in the category of contenders in the West, even right now. LeBron is, is breathing, you know, even though he's 38 years old. I would still put my money on him in a lot of different situations uh, because of that. He's got the heart, you know, and, and, and the experience. I mean, he's got, uh, you know, I mean, we, we get a little fatigue, I guess, too, from ESPN and all the talk shows about the Lakers and, you know, about Durant and Irving. That's kind of all you hear about uh, all the time. But I think that as long as LeBron is around, they're going to be, you know, maybe even more than relevant this season. Well, one, another player who's been rumored to be going everywhere, including New York, is Donovan Mitchell in Utah. <clears throat> they trade Rudy Gobert. They've basically taken a team that finished with the best record in the West uh, two years ago. Uh, and now they're, they're cutting this whole team up. New coach, uh, Danny Ainge, is not afraid to pull the trigger on a big deal. Uh, but here you got Donovan Mitchell, who is a really fine player. Um, everybody in New York is talking up Donovan Mitchell. After you get Jalen Brunson, now we're going to go after another player. But keep this in mind. Donovan Mitchell is not being sent from Utah to New York unless R.J. Barrett is part of the deal. Yeah, I, I imagine that would be the case. Uh, you know, I think they would want – Danny Ainge would want more than just those draft picks that they have stockpiled. Uh, so, yeah, they'd have to give up something to get something. But, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell might might benefit from – the change was scenery, and I, you know, I think he would probably like to play in New York. I think didn't he grow up a, a Knicks fan, right? So, yep. uh, I think I think that would be a good fit for them to have him uh, there. But you know, uh, like you mentioned, do they have to give up too much to get him? And then, you know, can he can he carry the whole team? Well, now I've saved the best for last. You live in the city uh, where I root for the baseball team and have been for a long time. Been a Braves fan for a long time. Uh, talk to Dale Murphy periodically. Uh, they're in a they're in a dogfight with the Mets for the National League East, and I live in New, I live in the New York metropolitan area. I'm sick of hearing about the Mets. I'll be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> I, I just saw that Degrom got backed up again a few days. So, yep. You know, people people are jumping off the bridge about that. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think the thing that the Braves have going for them 
is that, you know, they've been there and done that now. They've got that World Series under their belt. And, yes, they lost Freddie Freeman to the Lake, to the Dodgers. But, uh, you, you know, Greg Olson has been very good. And he's a local kid, and he's happy to be here. And, uh, you know, he's a few years younger than Freddie. So I think he really adds to the mix. And, and the pitching's coming back. And, uh, you know, everybody's getting healthier here, too. So uh, I think... I think the Braves' experience is going to help them down the stretch. No, I would agree. And keep in mind, they won a World Series last year without Ronald Acuna Jr. And now he's, I don't know if he's 100%, but he's certainly better than he was last year. Oh, yeah. He's, he's probably not 100% yet, but he's still back. And uh, you notice when he hits a home run now, he does the Trey Young thing, you know, the ice thing, <laughs> uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. Trey has kind of uh, picked up on that, too. Uh, but, you know, uh, Ozzy Albies has been out injured, and he's going to be coming back in the next few weeks. He's had a broken hand. So, you know, you get him back into that mix, too. And, uh, you know, Dansby Swanson's playing at all-star level. Yep. And I, I really I, I like their chances down the stretch. No, I'm with you. And, look, Ozzy Albies, I'll go so far as to say maybe next to Acuna, he's the most valuable player on that team. Yeah, he's the Mr. Energy, you know, the Energizer buddy. I mean, he – he really adds a lot to that. And, uh, you know, all of those guys, uh, Ozuna has helped them a lot, too, with that. Uh, I, I got to sit down in the front row behind the dugout the other night with my grandson. And to watch those guys interact with each other, that tells me something about this team, that they really, you know, they kind of like each other. They're having fun. And I think that that's going to help them a lot down the stretch, too. Appreciate your insight, Steve. Congratulations on your new deal. You keep up your great work, man. You stay safe. How are you two? Thank you. Stay safe, stay safe, stay healthy. Steve Holman, radio voice of the Atlanta Hawks. New two-year contract. Good for him. Been there, I want to say, 30 years. Pretty good. Hey, you stay at one, in broadcasting, you stay at one job for 30 years. You've done something right. Or you got something, you got something goods on the owner. Um, in Steve's case, he's doing something right. He's a New York guy. Basically. And, you know, hey, Atlanta is New York South. Between that and Miami, a lot of New Yorkers live down in Miami. A lot of New Yorkers live in Atlanta. Baseball season starting up. Football training camp's not that far away. We continue to talk about basketball. More importantly than anything else, you stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.